This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, the way it's been going here and with the analytic numbers, you know, podcasts get listened to earlier in the week, more so than they do later in the week. Uh, we've been recording twice now on Monday. Uh, Mondays, you know, we get the PFF episode up. Then we go to our Twitter, Twitter mailbag um, with Pete and I. I usually drop that about midday on Tuesday, just trying to give you guys as much content and, you know, using the numbers, which some teams do or some teams don't, be that as it may. Uh, just trying to cater to, you know, what the audiences want and just trying to get you guys as much information, you know, and look, whatever we can do to help you get through your work week. Understandably so. Once everybody gets to Thursday, the weekend's on the horizon, those type of things. I get it. I get it. So this is why we're doing the way we're doing it now, trying to do everything we can do for you. So from obviously, you know, Browns Maven through SI.com, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown wise for your daily delivery of all things dog pound as we kick it off here today. Um, you know, definitely, you know, lot, some Brown news in the mix. Um, Kellen Winslow, I hope it's absolutely miserable. I hope you hate every second of it. I hope it's the worst thing that ever happened. And that's all we're going to cover on that because that's all that piece of crap absolutely deserves. Um, I've heard nothing on Olivier Vernon. Um, spoken to some in Ricky Seals, Jones camp. Looks like a deep knee bruise. Um, apparently he maybe, you know, escaped some serious, serious injury. And it was good. I mean, he kind of slowly hobbled off the field. Um, didn't have to get carted off. Olivier Vernon, haven't gotten anything on that. Fingers crossed, obviously, because good God, could you imagine the terrifying thought of we are about this close to Chad Thomas possibly being a starter on this defensive line, which God suits. But even with all that craziness, Pete, um, maybe if Jermaine Whitehead was a better player, maybe if more people followed him because he was a better player, Pete, we would have known of the nonsense that was going on. Because, guys, this is part of the stuff. Whatever goes on at press conferences or 10 to 15, 20 minutes from the time the game ends, look, me and Pete are recording, so it's tough to pick up anything that's going on. Pete, you know, the only thing more atrocious than Jermaine Whitehead's play was what went down yesterday. And look, you know, flipping the bird, telling somebody to go F off, whatever. Players have done it before it happens. Don't get involved in it. You don't need it in your life. But, dude, you're still dressed, and you were literally threatening a, a local radio reporter. You were threatening fans. I still don't even know what half of those tweets even freaking meant. But, Pete, some small part of me inside, and I said this to John Costco, is please tell me, I know it's not true because they were begging him to take down the tweets and he argued about doing it. Please tell me some small part of it was you, you got rid of the guy because he stunk. Yeah, um, should have been. Uh, and, you know, the he's responsible for what he said. Uh, you know, it seems like he is a uh, weirdly – a slave to social media and that you're in uniform and you're, you're trying to get tweets off and, and these things to sort of one, see what people are saying about you and then two take action uh, to try to make a point, I guess. Um, I feel bad for him in the sense that he was pressed into duty at free safety because he's barely a strong safety. So you sort of put it in position to fail, but he's just not good. And that's an issue. I, I think Justin Burr should have been playing. I don't know. If when he had the broken hand, he claims he had, but uh, that obviously didn't help, uh, which would only seem like it makes it a smarter move to put Justin Burris in the game. Obviously, you know, you're on your third string free safety at that point, but uh, it just 
goes to show that safety is a big problem. Uh, it's another, you know, character situation. If you if you want to put it under that that column for for John Dorsey, and that this isn't his first rodeo when it comes to issues. This, you know, he got uh, essentially fired by the Packers because he got a personal foul, uh, hitting you know hitting another player that. Uh, was a big, big moment in that game. And, and people were saying that that was the reason they lost. Um, and, you know, the Browns couldn't be happier to go ahead and go grab him, which seems, I suppose, uh, you know, in character for, for Dorsey. But uh, I, I, I'm curious to see if, because of the way the Browns are playing, and now that two and six, if there's more of an outcry to sort of stop doing this and people ha are going to start asking if that's, part of what's going on here and look and you know and talking with john you know uh justin burris you know obviously didn't get the reps that jermaine whitehead did um and everybody who wants to say oh well you know jermaine whitehead had that day in baltimore um we'll go look at justin burris's day on the sunday night against the la rams when he showed up in cleveland about you know a little bit before supper time on saturday and got reacclimated with a playbook that he hadn't seen in three weeks that's the type of effort he put out that sunday night um, yesterday, Justin Burris, in the time he played, did not miss a tackle. Um, whatever the fascination was with Jermaine Whitehead, and look, there will always be that day in Baltimore. And God bless him, kid had a great game. It was an absolute blip on the stinking radar screen. Um, like Pete mentioned, bad penalties, missed tackles. And look, and you know, I, I said this, the look, he's not – Pete, the, the tackle on Fant, it's not a terrible idea, but you coach it, you know, I've been coached it. You tackle through somebody. He did not try to go through Noah Fant. He, I know, I, I mean, he tried to hopefully maybe just, you know, think he was going to clip him. You're not taking down a 185-pound wideout. You're taking a, down a 240, 245-pound tight end. You're going to go that route. You got to go all the way through. He didn't, uh, you know, whether the left hand was hurt or not, it, it doesn't matter because he wasn't even trying to wrap up. We all know the, the tackle he was trying. Back in my day, we had a, a, kid, a kid who I was friends with. I grew up in my town with. I was with the Catholic high school, year old and me, Brian McNamara. Our coach called it the Mac special. It was, you know, the, hey, you're going to live to fight another play. You know, this guy's bigger than you, as opposed to getting thrown around like a rag doll. Try to go low and hopefully you can win that way. But he didn't do it correct. He didn't give enough effort. And Pete, probably the most egregious thing about that was Taylor and Greedy Williams, the two of them, the lack of effort that the two, they both had just basically thinking the play was over because he went low and everybody kind of got flat footed. And that's, you know, effort should never be anything that's questioned at the professional level. No, uh, obviously that was, that's a big question for Greedy Williams, not the effort part, but the tackling part um, that, you know, that, that goes on and that, another check in the column of we're not sure he's ready for this. Uh, and, you know, I, I've said it before, I'll keep saying it, that Darius Taylor is not an NFL defender. He's a special teams guy at best. Uh, if you are putting him on the field in your regular defense, you are putting your team at a disadvantage. And the Denver Broncos located him, located Whitehead, located Reedy Williams and kept going after them and after them and after them because that's what smart teams do. And they managed to find a big play uh, there and, and some of the runs. They found Mac Wilson a few times, especially in the first half on some big runs. 
um, you know, when you face, you know, smart teams, they're going to find your weak links and find ways to exploit them. And that's ultimately what happened. And, and you, you just can't have it. And especially here and, you know, and especially the worst part is because they, they can't seem to do this offensively and, you know, they can't single out the warts and, you know, like, you know, we talk all the time about defensive linemen and find the turd. They can never play this way offensively and find the turd and go at it and pick something until it's just, you know, pick a scab to where it's just an oozing point to the fact that it needs stitches. They just can't kind of put that stuff together. And, and it sucks right now. And, you know, I, I understand for all of you guys. I mean, I, I get everybody's aggravation. I get where everybody's coming from. Yeah, I mean, we're all there. I mean, we all expected so much more from this product, and it's not anything we have seen to this point. Uh, look, we got a bunch of listener questions here to get to. Um, I just want to say one thing. I hope the NFL officials are noticing. Jason Witten is running around with his pants way above his knees on Monday Night Football. I expect to hear about the fine Jason Witten's going to get. That'll probably never come. Pete's going to tell you about the fine folks over at Blue Chew, and we're going to continue to rock on through here. Unlocked on Browns on your Twitter Tuesday. Right. Speaking of the Cowboys and, and the Blue Star, and I'll admit, uh, Blue Chew, uh, Blue Chew like the color blue. Uh, blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. They'll take care of you in terms of. Uh, discreet shipping, making it easy to get a prescription so you can be ready to go from that standpoint and you can plug in the locked on uh, promo code to get get you some help on that end uh, because right now your Sundays look pretty open. So you may want to invest in something else to do. there. Oh, good Lord. Okay. Um, Nick Merced, absolute rant here. It's not necessarily a question. Um, and it's basically Eddie Murphy, raw, F-U, F-U, screw everybody. He's pissed at everybody. I get it, Nick. I'm 100% with you. Um, at Joe Varolo, Joseph San Juan here on Twitter. He's been a big supporter of the show from its infancy. Um, and uh, this is actually a good one here. Pete, look, I mean, looking at 8-0 right now to close this out, to get to 10-6, and six, pretty astronomical. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So what should we be looking for? What do we want to see? If 19 ain't going to work out, what is the best we can do to get this team of what's here in-house ready for 2020? Well, I mean, it starts with Baker Mayfield. You want to see him get better over the course of the year, uh, regardless of the competition. Obviously, Buffalo has a talented defense, so that's going to be a challenge. Uh, but that's you want to see him get better. You want to see him 
sort of work through some of the issues he's been dealing with this year uh, so that, you know, he gives you reason to believe that, you know, the, the form he showed as a rookie is still in there. Uh, I think he'll ultimately be fine. And, and I think you've actually seen him improve. Uh, I thought he did well against the, the New England Patriots. I think um, he was a little inconsistent uh, against against the uh, Denver Broncos, but, you know, it was, wasn't, by any stretch of bad performance, it's just that there's more in there, and that's sort of what's frustrating. Um, I'd like to see Wyatt Teller keep playing at right guard. I'd, I'd like to see Drew Forbes get in there because I think you might as well get a head start on what your offensive line is going to look like. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I know what I think of Drew, Drew Forbes. I think he's a tackle and it could be a right term, long uh, term right tackle. Uh, it's, you know, we'll see what the Browns actually think. Uh, they keep I, I mentioning he can snap, which seems to, you know, I, I'm not sure what exactly that means, but they seem to kind of keep putting that out there, yeah, which we don't uh, like. <laughs> I don't know either. They've also said that about Wyatt Teller. They've said that about a few players. So I, I don't know. Uh, I think that'd be kind of a waste. Obviously, you've got a really good center and depth is fine, but I think he's got franchise uh, line traits. And obviously he came out. It got a lot better over the course of the camp, and you made all you went to all this trouble to get him back uh, this year. So, you know, it seems eerie, eerie to me that you would say go to all this trouble and then say, well, he's you know he's a center. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, Greedy Williams. You want to see him get better. You want to see uh, the chemistry build between Baker and Odell Beckham. You want to see. Uh, you know, the, the defensive players get, continue to get better. Matt Wilson, uh, you know, he's essentially getting the year uh, up and down, obviously. Uh, most every game, he's a rookie and his head is spinning. But if he, like, plays the whole year, he'll basically have doubled his experience in terms of being a starter between college and the NFL, which obviously is going to uh, be beneficial for, for him in terms of development. And there's a lot of things like that. Um, you know, other than that, I, I don't know because I, I don't know that really any of the safeties are going to be on this team next year. Um, so that one's tough. But, yeah, just continuing to hopefully improve, even if it's not for a playoff spot. You know, ultimately, we'll, we'll see if them, they can sort of defy the numbers on that one. But it's these areas that have to get better because they have to be, you know, a lot of the moves that John Dorsey made were sort of deferred a year in a sense, and they need some of those to work out for to be ready for next year if they're going to make a big move uh, and sort of be where they should be or where we feel like they can be based on this year. Um, you know, a couple I want to add is, you know, you have to see how this whole Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb dynamic works out. If it's something you want to pursue Kareem for longer, I don't know. Um, Cause one of the great things about Nick Chubb is you have such a great cost control as far as your cap here with Nick and the production you get from him. Um, obviously, your upgrades needed there. Um, I, I want to see some Sioni Taki Taki. You know, and I, I don't even need a reason. You cannot. You can't tell me for a second that you couldn't have said on. You know, decided on Wednesday or once you found about Eric Murray's surgery that we'll play some Taki Taki at Mike. Joe can play. Will still make all the calls from there. Stop. Joe, Joe is b- beyond being a fantastic player. And you know, for everybody who wants to get on us for the last couple of weeks. Go and check out how well Joe Schober graded out like yet yesterday in Denver. Joe could, you know, we've talked about him playing Will. It might be his best spot. It's not a disrespectful thing 
Derek Brooks was one of the best will linebackers that ever existed in the NFL. It is not a disrespect. It's just maybe a better spot for Joe. He's not as no, thick as just, other lines. They're just different. They're just different positions. And they're, they're yep. just, like, honestly, to me, it it's not like a dis. They're just as important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an upgrade for what it allows your defense to do um, if he's at will, because people complain that he, he can't do this and that. And obviously he can, but. The idea that he can be a, a, a guy who can play in space and play in coverage and make plays behind the line of scrimmage, and you get theoretically another strong run defender next to him, uh, to me says that gives you more options and more talent overall. And that's why I think it, it would be smart for them to ultimately see, you know, extend him, move him to Will, and get another Mike Backer in there, whether that's Taki Taki as they hope it is or, or somebody else. Uh, but, you know, but that's me i mean if they really love mac wilson i think he's going to be ultimately be a a a, a role player not a, a not a true full-time player um i think joe Schobert is, is better for that but we'll see I, I i've seen little evidence to suggest that the browns view things as as i do on on this and the, and the jc treader thing i'd love to see them you know reverse course because they've been wrong basically on the guys they were trying to extend uh so we'll see but joe Schobert is fantastic um, you know, he's, he's durable, he's effective. I mean, like one of the players that, you know, that was obviously got paid a, a massive contract is Quan Alexander, and he's going to be out for the season now uh, with a pec injury. He's at the ACL. Two years in a row. Uh, which sucks. He's a good player. Uh, I think Schobert is better, and he's here, and all you have to do is keep him. And the other thing is, is Joe Schobert played out for you like an absolute dog when this franchise was essentially dog crap. Somewhere, you know, I don't care if it wasn't under John Dorsey's watch. Sometimes you got to just reward the man, you know, think about it as a franchise and that type of stuff. Um, look, maybe this gets closer to maybe when you start to realize you're out of it. And look, we've talked about the safety position. There's literally nothing left going towards 2020. You might as well find a way to get Jermaine Whitehead. One of the bright spots you're going to get out of 19 is you're going to go into 20 and you're not going to worry about specialists. Um, cyber. And obviously, Gilliam, they've been fantastic to this point. Uh, they might be the brightest of brightest spots on this team right now. Uh, Pete, this is a question for me. I went back today. I watched Carolina. I watched the Atlanta game from last year. Look, I, you know, obviously we know some of what's going on with Baker is mental. But I'm wondering if if, if, if there's any question of anything possibly being physical. It, it, there's the way he, you know, found Reed gripped ripped velocity looked better ball looked tighter you know i'm not saying i mean look we know it's either some mixture of one some mixture of both or you know he's in a really tough spot right now obviously he's in the toughest spot of his quarterback play of his life but i'm wondering if it is more than just what's going on and maybe it's physical because even when he has the clean pocket i'm not seeing the same christmas christmas that we saw from him last year Oh, it could be physical. I think some of it is mechanical. I think there are too many throws where his footwork and, and, and the way he's delivering the ball aren't aren't as, as efficient and clean as they should be, which is a problem. Um, yeah, I, I think there's an argument, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I suppose, at some point. He's obviously had some some hits that have lingered, obviously. Uh, the hand is, is uh, a question in terms of what he – a shot he took early in the year, I think it was against the Titans. Um, obviously the hip was bothering. He's taken some hits and, and that stuff can happen, but I think, uh, right. You know, and that may come to light. It may not. Uh, but ultimately I think the, the thing, the thing he has to do is 
control the things he control. And he can control his mechanics. He can control his footwork. And he can do the best he can to sort of maximize whatever he has to deliver the football. And, and I don't think that's consistent enough right now. And, and I think you're seeing that with some throws that are high, some throws that aren't tight, and some, some, some things that are just rushed. Uh, no, there's zero doubt about that. And look, he's in a tough spot right now. And obviously, you know, everybody kind of on this team right now is in a tough spot. Nothing any of us saw, you know, for sure coming. Um, from Tom Pierce. And Tom, look, buddy, I'm kind of with you on this one. If it all goes south, Pete, and you're looking for a new head coach, I know you'd like it, but you don't think it'd be happening. But um, do you send three Brinks trucks, four Brinks trucks down to Norman, Oklahoma? But the question is, with the way this team is looking right now, does that look as attractive to Lincoln Riley as maybe it did week one, week two? Well, I can't speak for anything Lincoln Riley other than he loves Baker Mayfield. Um, the issue you're going to run into is in the event that John Dorsey were to let go of, of Freddie Kitchens, he's going to have to make another hire. And, you know, typically they, they go the exact opposite of what they did hire, which would be the super experienced guy as opposed to the first-year head coach or the risky college coach hire. Having said that, Getting a guy like Lincoln Riley would likely mean ceding some or significant amount of power from John Dorsey's side, and he's done that before, and that did not end well for him um, because he obviously is going to feel like he got sort of railroaded and you know basically kicked out by Andy Reid in Kansas City. So he's probably going to be super cognizant of that and be more inclined to get somebody he doesn't think is going to force him to give up some control. Uh, there are questions being asked, and I don't know the answers to them as far as how much John Dorsey is impacting some of these roster decisions and, and who's playing and who isn't. No, I don't have evidence to suggest he is. But if you do believe that, you know, you're not going to get Lincoln Riley uh, unless, you know, he's got a lot of say because obviously, you know, with college coaches, they, they are the entire thing in college. They, you know, they, their quote-unquote boss basically answers to them, the athletic director and stuff like that. So, yep. yeah, it's tough to to get guys like that. And that's the other issue that's going to be a challenge in general. If the, if the Browns are sort of viewed as a, you know, a, a, another questionable hiring spot, you know, those things typically come with, well, you're going to have to give me this. And I think that would be the case even with a guy like Mike McCarthy. Um, so, so that's sort of the balancing act is, is that the pressure is entirely in this, in, in the circumstance that they do go that route, the pressure is entirely on John Dorsey at the same time. He's also sort of cognizant of what has happened to him in the past. And I'm sure he's still not happy with how things ended in Kansas city, even though they were justified in it, uh, that you're going to get this whole ego slash power thing working out there in that dynamic. Right now, John Dorsey has as much power as anyone has had since Jimmy Haslam bought the team, and I, I don't think he's in a hurry to give it up. And, it, look, it puts John in a tough spot because, you know, if you go, you know, with somebody you're giving up power to, it's essentially recreating the same issue, but in the same respect, um, you gamble on a guy as a first-time head coach again, you know, either way, you know, Either way, he could end up out of work. Um, you know, obviously Mike McCarthy with you know the Green Bay front, Green Bay front office ties, 
there's that aspect to it. You know, uh, obviously there's a bunch of hot college coaches that are on the cusp of bigger college jobs or making, maybe making that splash. Um, if you could get Lincoln Riley to come here, yeah, that would be, it'd be an interesting thing. It, it, it truly would. Um, so, I mean, we kind of got to, so Tom, at Tom Pierce 58, we got to your question. Matthew Dorsey sent in two here. So we got to one of those. Um, and then actually what we just did here kind of segues into this, Pete, um, you know, Whitehead had been terrible all year, but you know, even yesterday took every defensive snap that was available, you know, Callaway playing over Rashard Higgins again, whatever. I mean, Chad Thomas playing over anyone at the defensive end position. Pete, it uh, is Freddie. Kitch- it doesn't seem like Freddie Kitchens is making this call. Um, if it's Wilkes, uh, you know, as far as maybe Thomas or, but it does feel that maybe there's John Dorsey could be the puppet master in some of this, who's playing, who's not playing. And if that's the case, then, you know, I mean, this thing's got a lot more issues than the fact that they're two and six. Well, I, I, all I can say is I hope that's not the case because that would suggest there are so many more issues than anyone wants to get into with this team uh, that you didn't, hire a head coach to be a head coach, uh, which is a problem. And if you're, if you're saying Freddie Kitchens looks in, over his head, which I don't think is an unfair criticism at this point. Not at all. Uh, then you're also looking at this dynamic and, and you're going, well, why the hell would anyone want to work here? And again, that would be all the more reason for them to demand all kinds of control and final say in writing over what they can and you know what they, what they are able to do um that like i said i hope not in the case of chad thomas uh well now there's really no other choice uh but uh, clearly they have a value on longer defensive linemen in the scheme um i think that really if anything puts the emmanuel Ogba move into question because he he fit that in terms of length um, I, I think the Jannard Avery trade is obviously a weak one because, you know, it's third and 12. I don't care how long he is. You're not worried about getting reached. Um, but now you you have no other choice. So that's sort of the deal with that. I don't think that's, you know, John Dorsey thing. And again, if he's trading Jannard Avery to get Chad Thomas on the field, he's cutting off his nose to spite his face because they're both his picks. Richard Higgins, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um Antonio Callaway, obviously very talented, has has some 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 flashes of supreme athleticism and stuff, but he's dumb as a box of rocks. At least uh, appears to be. He he's still making all kinds of mental mistakes. There were some penalties that should have been called that weren't, based on alignment. Uh, the one sack Baker Mayfield took, had he thrown the ball, it would have been uh, to an ineligible receiver because. Uh, Antonio Callaway was on the line and, and was covered up. Uh, it was just uh, like there's things I, I understand where he's really talented, but there's an element here where you're basically saying, you know, we aren't going to put a guy who's on the, the more reliable guy on the field who's got a track record for producing and producing with his quarterback. I, I don't know what the deal is there. Uh, clearly, something is going on. I don't know who it's coming from, whether it's the receivers coach whether it's the front office whether it's the head coach whatever um, I wish we had more clarity on that situation uh, but it's it's troubling to say the least and again 
I, I mean, I, I don't have evidence for any of that stuff with John Dorsey, so I'm, I'm going to say that I all I can say is I hope that's not the case because that, again, would make this way worse than anyone wants to imagine. Um, look, you know, Rashard Higgins made Baker Mayfield look good, made the entire offense look good, which kind of got Freddie Kitchens here. Look, I mean, if there's a smoking gun and, look, you never hear about that stuff until it's done and the relationship is severed, um, it's got the feel like there's something weird here. And it just sucks. But, you know, I mean, you know, we spent a hell of a lot of time last year in 2018 talking about how highly we felt of Rashard Higgins and his play. And to know that you're losing and then you go back to that first drive of the year and it was boom, boom, Rashard Higgins and boom, touchdown, Dontrell Hilliard. And it just seems like that offense has got a little more juice when he's out there, as does number six. Something makes you kind of uh, scratch your head. We're going to get to a little bit more here. Obviously, uh, Browns, Maven's own Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd rolling on through. Twitter Tuesday on Locked on Browns. Um, as you guys know, we've had Brittany Mollis on the show. We've had Bree from the RefLog show on here. Um, Meredith MKN Sports. This is something that's cool. You know, um, there's a lot of great female voices within the Cleveland sports community, Browns-wise, Indians-wise, Cavaliers-wise. We've been pushing them. We've been wanting it. Um, and they finally found a way to collaborate um, through the Blue Wire podcast app. That's what B said. Meredith's going to produce. I'm sure she'll have some involvement. Uh, Brittany and Bree, um, it, it's going to be good. I'll tell you right now. Um, I, I've had, you know, uh, Brittany, uh, Bree, they've been on the show. Great women, strong voices, strong opinions. It, it'll be good. Check it out. Um, good friends. I'm excited for it. Uh, they're they're going to put out a good product. Uh, it should be something you guys want to check out. Um, already up on iTunes, already up on Spotify. Go ahead, check it out. Uh, that's what B said. All right. Next we have here from now Dale Harris is a good guy. Um, good man. Talk to him all the time. He's one who always kind of like checks on me with everything that's been going on, obviously. Um, even if Dorsey makes good roster decisions this offseason, why should we any have any faith, Pete, that next year's team can't overcome the co- cultural deficiencies surrounding this team? And look, you know, part of this and I look, you know. You guys get to it with the players, and look, you know, me and John did a thing. Look, the cleat thing yesterday was stupid. A lot of this is, but when you got a head coach who's supposed to be calling a play, and the play sheet he's holding behind his back because he's yelling at an official, Pete, it starts from the top. Um, it also starts from the top of the GM's office, where if Jermaine Whitehead had maybe taken down those tweets, he'd still be on this roster today. Or it's the the cultural talk, or it's the rewarding guys that don't necessarily deserve it, aka Des Harrison a year ago, and things of this nature. Uh, you know, if you don't have everybody on the same page, you can't expect the players. You know, well, no, nobody's conforming. Well, no, of course they're not conforming because you have a GM who says things and doesn't follow through. You have a head coach, and granted, look, Freddie's a rookie head coach. Doesn't know all, you know, doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. But uh, when the play clock's at 19 and you're supposed to be getting a play into the huddle, uh, you know, let's not be arguing about official about a penalty from two plays ago or a spot from a play ago. Everybody's got to be on the same page and it's got to be the same common goal of next play, next play, next play. Right. I think some of this is Dorsey's fault and that you're bringing in 
dumbass players. Uh, I think Jermaine Whitehead certainly qualifies given his actions. I think. Antonio uh, I Calloway, think he's proven that in spades. <laughs> yeah, I think Antonio Callaway is in, in that in that conversation given his inability to sort of control himself. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt's in that mix with, with, with what he's done, and and that's just guys with you know obvious issues. That's not accounting for guys who are just not getting better in practice or not willing to sort of listen. I mean, like, you know, Freddie Kitchens signaled out Miles Garrett talking about how he had like six penalties in the first two games and has basically had zero since. Um, you know, that's a guy who's actually made, you know, improvement. The guys who haven't, they need to move on from it. And, and, and again, I, this is where I look at an Antonio Callaway and you're sitting here going, he's making the same stupid mistakes that he has been making. And there's nothing seems to be changing on that front. Um, that that's where I think it, it's difficult to defend. You're basically putting these guys out here anyway. There's, there's a lack of accountability from that standpoint. Obviously Freddie Kitchens has his, uh, a substantial part of this. He owns what's on the field. And that's, you know, that's the bottom line. And, and I got somebody talk, talking to me about how he keeps stressing execution, and that's a way of in, in absolving blame. I don't agree with that. I think he's saying it's all on him uh, because he won't signal out players and all those things. Uh, that, uh, you know, but that's, that's the thing that has to happen. If these guys continue to make the same mistakes, like he, he said, well, we'll make changes. But you don't. I mean, you really don't. I mean, there are issues you've made – you did the Greg Robinson thing, uh, but so that's that's about it. Yeah, and even like you know that was one of those where oh my god, what did we just do? Um, after you got to see Justin McCray, and look, you know it's great that Justin McCray is a good run blacker, but I mean that's not the description of left tackle in the NFL by any means whatsoever. Uh, Pete, um, look, Kareem Hunt, he is now going to be in this fold. Your guess, where is this going to be? Is this going to be a sharing process, do you think? You have to think, and this is where I worry about John Dorsey and about who's truly pulling the strings here, is is this going to be a 50-50? And maybe not the first week Kareem is back, but are are we trending towards a, you know, and I don't want to see this by any means whatsoever, maybe slightly if this doesn't go very well over this second half and you're out of contention early, maybe save some miles on Nick Chubb, you know, Nick Chubb's legs. But it feels like they're way too giddy about Kareem Hunt coming back. And one of the issues you do not have on offense is at running back. Right now, I think Kareem Hunt is going to take exactly the reps Dontrell Hilliard would get. I think ultimately you're going to evolve into more. I think you're going to evolve into a lot of two-back sets maybe three back sets. They did some of that stuff last year, but I think this is going to a place where they're going to put both those guys on the field. I, I think that's where this offense is trending for better or for worse, but I think it's going to start with a whole lot of Nick Chubb and sort of evolve uh, into more and more Kareem Hunt and not to take away from Chubb, but to sort of add to what he's doing. I have no problem with that. I mean, you know, and look, uh, you know, and the one thing that Kareem brings that no running back on this roster brings is, you know, the, where and what he can bring in the receiving game. And look, I mean, Dontrell Hilliard, 
it, it's mismanaged the way they use it. And that's how you get into third and three where it's him. And then you, you run the QB sneak, you know, Pete's okay with the QB sneak. I'd rather not do it with Baker at his size because you want those couple extra inches. Cause I mean, you watch guys like Tom Brady do it. What is it? Two hands on the ball, extending it out. Look, there's a difference between six feet four and there's a difference between six feet. And look, we saw this last year in Tampa in Nick's first start. Uh, they had a chance to win that game. They were down there after Jabril's Jabril Peppers punt return. Uh, fourth and inches, they went with Baker as opposed to Nick Chubb. Uh, manage these reps correctly, for God's sakes. And maybe it'll be a little easier to do when you have a lot more talented back as opposed to Dontrell Hilliard. And for all you people who love them, loved him over the summer and, oh, he looks great at camp or whatever. No, I'd rather have Duke Johnson playing for this team right now. Um, and, uh, well, there's another one, Pete. Um, Daniel Fells, Darren Fells, Duke Johnson. You talk about who you're rewarding as far as being on this roster. And then you see these two guys doing what they're doing in Houston. It's just another one where it's at the end of the day, yes, the play of the team and games and you're losing, it makes you scratch your head, but it's also, you know, what was put into the manipulation of this final 53. And this is going way as far back as when they let Fells go. It's, you know, there's questions to be had everywhere with this team, the roster, the coaching staff, the front office, you know, maybe we were so excited by the additions and the talent that was here. We did get blinded somewhat, but, you know, at two and six, you know, your eyes are wide opened and you kind of see a little fault on every part of every aspect of this team. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I've obviously said I, I didn't like how John Dorsey handled the Duke Johnson. I think he created an issue he didn't have to. I attribute that to Especially the after he was the one who gave him the extension. Right. Um, having said that, I think the trade he made was great. It's just obviously he doesn't help you if he's not here. I don't have a problem with Dontrell Hilliard. I have a problem with how they utilize him. Um, it's very predictable. And that's, you know, putting him in a situation that's hard, hard to succeed. But I even guess, the other thing, though, like you took him off a play. kickoff returns, he was doing well there. I, that was yeah, one that's... Yeah, and, and obviously, look, Duke Johnson is better, you know, and, and anyone who deluded themselves into thinking he wasn't was, was insane. And, and look, he made game. it out of that game healthy. So right now, you've got that third-round pick. Um, you, you're going to get essentially the pick that you put in for Duke Johnson. You, you can't complain about that any way, shape, or form. I believe it, he was pick 84 overall. You know, obviously we'll have to see where that falls, but it's going to be anywhere between like 84 in like 90-ish, what you get back on that. You can't complain about it. Right. I think, and we've talked about this, picks can't help you win right now. And that's Bingo. becoming an issue. Um, I, you know, Jannard, I, I don't, I like having a third round pick coming for, for Duke Johnson. I like, uh, you know, ultimately getting a fifth and fourth round pick you know, in 2021, but those guys can't help you now. And uh, on some of those. And that was the thing. It was supposed to be about now. Yep. And that's where we're at. Uh, Pete Brown's Maven. uh, Obviously uh, you and Mr. Collins, what's the latest going on? I I didn't realize he was only 21 for God's sakes. My God, that hurt to read today when he put out that tweet. That's news to me too. I had no idea. Um, But yeah, (laughs) obviously uh, had some, a bunch of stuff. Uh, talking about, you know, what I thought was sort of an, a play emblematic of, of, of Kitchen's tenure. I, I thought, um, you know, I, I think this franchise was built uh, entirely around Baker Mayfield. 
uh, and could not afford him to be even a little less successful. So got those going. Obviously, there's going to be more coming uh, with everything going on. There's plenty to talk about. It's just not all, you know, fun. No, it's not. And, um, you know, Pete, I thank you for, you know, being the cracker that you are and showing up here for today. And that was like the oddest part of the whole thing. Apparently, Dustin Fox couldn't even be around today. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming Jermaine Whitehead and a bunch of people saw that tweet and he got reported for it and all that nonsense. But, I mean, look, that's just just reckless, man. You cannot be doing crazy stuff like that. And, you know, it's just, I mean, dude's got a family. And all he literally said is, you know, yeah, I got a question with his effort in tackling today. And, you know, whatever. I mean, guy lowers the boom or whatever. Good riddance, uh, you know. You got what you basically deserved. You know, your play was one thing. Your actions were certainly another. Uh, we're going to put a bed up, uh, put this one here to bed. Uh, you know, obviously for Pete Smith, check out everything through SI.com. Brown's Maven over there. Uh, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase. DM's always open, always a follow back account. And you guys know that. And yes, it's been blowing up over the last 24 hours. I've tried to get back to everything. Um, just some heated people that needed to be talked off a ledge and just some aggravated pissed off because maybe, you know, the feeling of, man, I fell for it again. I understand. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the DMs open over there as well. And again, same thing, you know, a lot of people just aggravated, frustrated, and had higher expectations for a better product this year. Can't lie to you guys. Pete and I were definitely with you. Um, we certainly were. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, your Twitter mailbag Tuesday. We appreciate everybody for the support, the questions, for putting up with us, as you always do. Uh, good times, bad. One thing you can count on is we're going to be here. We're going to give you the best we got. We're going to give you our honest opinion. Good things are good. Bad things are bad. Sadly, right now, bad things are bad. We were obviously expecting a lot more here. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.